Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. National title preview coming up in 20 minutes with Bobby Carpenter of Outkick.com. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody, our broadcast studio here, live each day, 2 to 5 Central, 3 to 6 Eastern with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. They are open for business today. One of the few downtown Nashville for those uh, joining us outside of the, the state of Tennessee. Uh, snow here, any type of snow here. Shuts the city down. And this was significant. Snowmageddon. And it was a significant snow. And now it's turned to ice <laughs> uh, as everything is compacted and it starts to melt. Well, uh, the sun hits it and then, well, the temperature is, according to our clock over here, 29 degrees. So there you go. Frozen roads. Yes, frozen roads galore. Yeah, I uh, skated through downtown Nashville earlier today, walking around. There was a sheet of ice. People were just kind of sliding. You know, they're... they're <laughs> Really skating from spot to spot. How about this? We have valet parking where we were, Uh mandatory. Uh, Not that I wouldn't have used it if it wasn't mandatory, (laughs) but I wanted to make clear clear it was mandatory. Uh, Uh, I'm a big friend of the valet. Yes, Paul prefers Uh, to park a a ways away. And walk. walk. I would have preferred to walk, but I couldn't. This damn mandatory valet parking. (laughs) If it's cold and slippery, uh, I want to park far away. But So the guy drove my car to the valet pickup, turned it off. I get in the car. I have my wife's car. Go to turn it on. The battery's dead. This is this is. So I was like, this you. is unbelievable. My car is going to sit in the middle of the valet stand all day dead. Guy had like a hand battery charging thing. We worked with that for a while. Got it started, and uh, I asked him. To leave, I said, I'll hook you up on Venmo later. Let's leave it running for a little while, and then if you could repark it. Uh, I'll come back because if it won't start again, we can at least do this use again. that yeah. or you have you jumper, home. Yeah, so jumper you can cable get home. so yeah. I could get home instead of driving it over here two blocks to park it outside so <laughs> right. it could be even colder. Um, so I'm hopeful uh, that things will work out. My, my car, and I didn't know this until this year, I've had my car for six years now, um, it would not start one morning Coming back from Tuscaloosa, I'll kick the tailgate was in Tuscaloosa. This was for the Ole Miss trip, Ole Miss, Bama. And I thought the battery was dead. Well, it's not the battery. That and click, click sound is one of the worst sounds. Yeah, it's not the battery, but but everything's dead. Like, I could not get into, like, it wouldn't even click, right? Like the Unlocked. push start. Well, what come to find out, there is some type of security mechanism I was not aware of. Oh, I remember. Where if someone tries to break into your car... My entire car went into like lockdown Batmobile mode. Batmobile mode. Yeah, it was like Batman mode. And you have to, it, it's very odd. You take your key fob and put it in the console. There's like, there's this little spot. Chad's uh, wife has a similar car. I need to tell her about this. There's like this little slot in the console that you have to put your key fob in. And then you have to type in your code for your door. On, Which again, you don't know. And then your battery will reset with everything else, with uh, the, you know, all the wires and technology. I knew the code, you know, because you can, 
access without a key. You can access my car with my code. Um, Again, like it it was bizarre. I'd never seen anything like it. And it locked down and, and it reset. And there was a thing that came on that just said security mode and the car started fine. I would have never known that about is this. That's crazy. It was yeah, a nice, that's a nice security nice mechanism guy at the unless hotel you don't know about, about the it. security mechanism. Yeah, the guy at the hotel said, have you tried the security deal? And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> yeah. Crazy. I, I remember the one of the best feelings of accomplishment I had was one time my gear shift got locked. And we were actually doing a show out at MTSU. And I went oh, on YouTube yes. and watched yes. a YouTube video on how in my model of my car to go like basically crack in through the console and go in and do something where you can manipulate it underneath. And uh, I felt great. I was like, this, this, Manipulation. this it's, it's incredible that I was able to figure this out. I, I was shocked. I surprised myself. Meanwhile, if we just had David Reed handy, we'd have no issues. Yeah, if we could bring him with us at all times. I mean, uh, great examples of what he's done the last two days. He's running radio and video for us across the, the Outkick network. He's, he is the reason you can see us as well as hear us. Across uh, Outkick 360 airwaves. We are hearing way too much from Antonio Brown. <laughs> yeah, this guy um, needs to probably be. needs to stop. The latest quote. Was it, and nobody can stop? He's on the MSU podcast. The My Sports Update podcast. So, there you go. Um, the quote here from the podcast. I haven't listened to it. I'm just reading it. So, maybe it sounds different than the way it reads. If Tom Brady is my boy, why am I playing for an earnest salary? Gronkowski is his boy, right? How much did he get paid? So why is AB on a prove-it deal? Who's better than me over there? Well, I, That's the quote from Antonio Brown right, let today. Let me talk to Antonio Brown for a minute. Has Rob Gronkowski been accused of assaulting any women? Did Rob Gronkowski freeze his feet? Did Rob Gronkowski not practice for three weeks because he couldn't, uh, he couldn't find a helmet that met his standards? Did Rob Gronkowski... Spend uh, what uh, uh, ten days with the Patriots, and 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 find his fourth team. Has he been a hassle everywhere he's gone? I mean, how could you compare yourself to Rob? Gron- also, Rob Gronkowski is a better player than you are. Rob Gronkowski is an unquestionable Hall of Fame tight end who helped transform a position. How about you, AB? Uh, you're going to measure yourself against Rob Gronkowski, really? I mean, first off, it's just a stupid comparison. Let's start there. Well, let's also say the guy. It, Brown I'm talking about. Gronkowski is, you're right, undoubtedly Pro Football Hall of Famer. Antonio Brown is Pro Football Hall of Fame talent. Yeah. And what we've seen over the last couple of years is craziness. He's a, um, he's a Hall of Fame headache also. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you ran through the list there, but despite all that, he's talented enough where teams want him. Like, it, he can help a team. And... I, I going back to your your point yesterday, uh, Chad, about of all the people that you're going to talk bad about, Brady's the least <laughs> on the on the list. Yes. He's last on the list for Brown to run down. Well, and <laughs> and Brady's answering questions saying, hey, "Hey, now's probably not the time to address whatever Brown is saying. You know, we've got to go win a game and get ready for the postseason. I wish him the best. I hope he gets help. What, however, he's phrasing it, but I." I Reading Brady has to be thinking to himself, dude. Like, shut up. I hooked you up here. Yeah, and and, stop talking. I don't understand either that the idea that he's upset with his targets in the game. He was targeted five times, and he caught three of his five passes in the game prior to him storming off. 
Um, when you just look at the the sheet, I mean, and he was five away from his bonus. Yeah, he was that close. May have gotten in that game, you know, with them having to throw. Could have coming from behind. Uh, it, it's just, it's all insane. And I, I keep marveling at the fact that Mike Tomlin kept this guy under control for as long as he did. And maybe he wasn't always this way, this extreme. Maybe that's deteriorated, you know, as the years have gone on. Also, but. I, if I'm thinking correctly, the first real incident that we heard about in Pittsburgh was him filming the post-game speech, right? He went live yeah. on something uh, it was and was Periscope. filming it. It was yeah, live on Periscope, and that was a big issue that Mike Tomlin had with him. But think of the years he spent in Pittsburgh and the fact that Mike Tomlin kept that guy under control is incredible. Well, I, I, I think you're right. And he but was I very, also very think, good. I also think... He spir- you know, hit a certain point, yeah. started spiral. For a while, he was a reasonably compliant uh, NFL player who followed the rules his teammates followed and everybody followed. Then he got to a certain point, and we all know people like this, where you get good enough that you don't have to follow the rules in order to uh, participate because your talent overwhelms your downside. And we've seen it happen with him several times. Certainly happened with him in Tampa Bay. And I don't think any of us is surprised that he, uh, they made a trade-off. They got a Super Bowl. You know, he was a big contributor in a Super Bowl run, and they got their prize. And then the clock ticked. When will, when will this blow up in their face? And, and I think we'd all say, in that equation, did they come out satisfied? Yeah, I mean, they're not satisfied about where they are right now and what's happened right now for this next one. But if you look at the whole body of work, would they take this? If you say Bruce Arians, Jason Light, Tom Brady, do you take what you got out of this? I'm disgusted by a lot of it, but they take it. Absolutely. They got a trophy in their lobby. It was. Uh, people make fun of it, but it was successful. It worked. They won the Super Bowl. He was a contributor. He was contributing this year. They weren't paying much. Most of last year was a non-issue. It was a lot of incentive-laden in you know, stuff in his contract that he's not going to get because he quit. Yeah, but uh, that's why you got the contract. That's why it's incentive-laden. Incentive-laden contracts are to uh, incentivize you to perform, to guard against injuries, and in your case, to guard against you going crazy. Well, he also missed 10 games. I mean, the, the idea that he couldn't achieve these numbers, I mean, they're very low marks here for, for what AB is capable of producing. Um he missed 10 games combined due to injury or suspension. And that, that's what the, that's why you're guarding the, against with incentives. Right. Um, another quote. I, I, this is, I, I'm, I'm just reading this out of context. I have no idea what he's responding to. These guys call me to win a Super Bowl, not for the toilet bowl. They didn't say, A.B., we're having problems with the toilet over here in Tampa. You think you can flush the bleat down and help us out? <laughs> what the hell is that even? <laughs> Antonio Brown. Is to work on his analogies. <laughs> that one didn't make a lot of sense. No, I don't know if we need context for that. What context could make that a good? Quote? I don't know what it, I don't know what he's speaking on there. But again, who does? Antonio Brown, um, Bill O'Brien is interviewing with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I look, I know John McClain likes Bill O'Brien. This a great is the, deal. the real quick. This is the effect of. The, the general manager and he certain guys him. not wanting to work with him. Well, right? Balky likes him, I think. They have maybe a relationship, pre-existing relationship. So this is not only who they won't interview with them, this is who 
wants to interview with him and, and would like this. I mean, I think Bill O'Brien can be a good coach, but I don't know if he's ever going to be on the other side of the threshold where he's not going to push for more power and more power was absolutely destructive combination with him. And I don't think he's far enough removed from the Houston disaster to be back in the league. If I'm a Titans fan, I'd say I would love it if the Jaguars hired Bill O'Brien, wouldn't you? Well, I mean, Bill O'Brien yes. won how many divisions was Houston? I don't, I don't know if you're a Titans fan that you'd love it if a guy who won four divisions is going to go back into the division, well, uh, again, even though it's with Jacksonville. Again, I'm looking at the I don't know recent, that I fear anyone resume. they would hire because of that franchise. Right. I'm not saying there's someone out there that, you know, if you're a Titans fan or a Colts fan, you're thinking, boy, I really hope they don't hire this coach because it's Jacksonville. they got to figure out everything from the, above the coach on down also, but... I don't. I wouldn't be doing backflips over that. The guy had a lot of success with Houston. You know who'll be doing backflips? You talk about his personality and having too much control and all that, rubbing people the wrong way. He won. Yeah, but at the end, he was organizationally destructive. I mean, yeah. I don't think we look at it enough about where Houston is right now is because of what he did. His, well, he's, he's done well there. We've all done well to down. take his fingerprints off of what Houston looks like right now. He is cause number – he and ownership – did this. Yes. Um, who will be doing backflips, Chad, is Alabama and Alabama fans. They don't like Bill O'Brien as their play caller. Yeah, There's too much team. NFL elements to his play calling at the college level. That poor team, days away from another national championship, can't well, stand the guy. I mean, the way that he was calling some of the games that were not supposed to be as close as they were they nearly i mean they lost to a&m they nearly lost a couple of other games including the game chad we were there for lsu oh yeah. i mean it was a bizarre LSU, lsu had a lot of chances yeah um uh, auburn, fans, had, auburn had them <laughs> auburn had them yeah 10 nothing um again like paul i understand where you're coming from it's like oh poor bama fans they're <laughs> on the doorstep of another title with bill o'brien but they they didn't like his play calling that was one of the big storylines down there. There you go. I don't can, care. can you imagine? They would love for him to leave. Just imagine being a fan of any team that's playing for a championship, one of the last two teams left, and you've had it so good that your fan base wants your play caller gone. <laughs> that's got you in the championship game. Like that's that's how good you have it. That you're not worried about coaches leaving. You're hoping a coach leaves so you can elevate even more, and you're already playing for a seventh national championship at Bama yeah. for Nick Saban. They're, they, eight overall. They're ready for the next coach to go to uh, coaching rehab with Saban. How he turns the, the rehab process into a new job for that, for that guy. Yeah, what fired NFL coach? Matt Nagy going to be the next <laughs> offensive coordinator at Alabama? Is that going to be his rehab program starting? Maybe Urban. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, he's not feeling well. Coming up, Bobby Carpenter joins us. We will preview Alabama and Georgia with OutKick's Bobby Carpenter, college football insider and analyst. That's next on OutKick 360. We are live from 6th and Peabody, our broadcast studio here in Music City with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. Crew's all here as well, alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. David Reed is the chairman of the board about to be joined by Bobby Carpenter from OutKick.com to preview Alabama and Georgia. And before we bring him on, 
Chad, bring up what you were discussing uh, just a minute ago about Robert or Bobby. Yeah, I, I was just thinking about, you know, if you went with the full Robert, and I don't know that that's his, his full name, does that change the way we think of uh, Bobby Carpenter when he joins? I feel like it churches it up enough to where it sounds like you should put a doctor before the doctor Robert Carpenter. And would we address him differently if it was Robert and not Bobby? Bob, I don't think it goes that random far. thoughts that I have. I, I, I'm not a Bobby These are guy working through my brain. And I think Bobby's very boyish, but I think this Bobby is is certainly less, not less boyish. <laughs> it's just right for him. I feel like Bobby Carpenter joins us. Bobby, the last time that uh, anyone called you Robert was when his mom. Mom occasionally calls me Robert. Okay. Um, my coaches, when I would get in trouble in high school, would call me Robert. Like, and when they may try to get me to be, you know, more mature, like, let's go, Robert, step it up. That would be kind of their command to me. Here's the problem, gentlemen. Like, I'm the third. And so my grandfather was Bob. My dad was Rob. And so I just got stuck with Bobby. Like, my dad was Bobby when he was younger. And then I guess he grew out of it and grew to Rob. But I mean, I had really nowhere to grow unless I wanted to go by like a full Robert. And, you know, I've kind of left that to the side. It's so formal, like you said. I mean, Robert Carpenter, it's about as white bread English as you're going to get. So Bobby kind of gives it a little bit of flair. What, what's your, you, middle, what's there, your middle name, Bobby? Robert Joseph Carpenter. Robert Joseph Carpenter. Is there a the fourth? Did, did you provide us with a fourth? I did provide you with a fourth. It was a little <laughs> bit of a battle with my wife. So he goes by RJ. But yeah, it's uh, I didn't want to be the one to break it. If that, That'll be his call when he gets... Uh, you know, married and hopefully, yeah, you know, what has the a hell son. is he going to do? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's tough. I, I told my wife, I go, I, I, uh, I played with Marion Barber. He was the third. There's a couple other guys. And I'm trying to think, I know one person who is the fourth. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. I go, it gives you like a little bit of like royalty, even though my family grew up with nothing. It was like, it gives you a little bit of something there, like third of his name, fourth of his name. Okay. I mean, church it up a little bit. You know, I picture you being very proud at the end of third quarters around the country when guys are, <laughs> are holding that up. I feel like you feel like that's about you. Yeah, you know, it is a little bit. I mean, I, I guess, you know, but it was, uh, it was good, man. Like AJ used to mess around. Like a lot of people that are the third, they go by like trip or by Trey, Trey or have some like cool nickname. And so like AJ Hawk, a good friend of mine, he used to mess around and call me trip every once in a while. But that that's about as close as it got to getting anything like that. Bobby Carpenter with us. You can follow him on Twitter at bcarp3. Um, gut feeling, just initial gut feeling on Alabama, Georgia and the rematch from what we saw at the SEC title game for Monday night. Do you think Georgia flips the card and, and actually changes things based on what we saw and how the result ended up against Bama? You know, so here's the deal. I always used to be on, if it was a close game, both teams like were fairly equitable talent wise. I always was for the team that had lost to be able to come back and step up and find a way to win in the second matchup. But then I watched Utah just destroy Oregon twice this year. And so I don't know if it's something that's more recent where we've seen this, where, you know, these teams, once they win, they get in their head a little bit. You know, initially I think Georgia's the more talented talented team. I think Bama is the better coach team. And I think you ultimately saw that in the SEC championship game. And so when you sit here and, and analyze this, it's like, what will be different? Well, Georgia's secondary still struggles a little bit, and if they can't get pressure, there's going to be some issues there. Now, Bama doesn't have John Mechie, so that's obviously going to change the math a little because they'll be able to probably double Jamison Williams some more. But you know, Nick Saban is such a good coach. He's so good at situational football. And you know, this is part of the problem when you play a team like Alabama. You have to get off the field. 
And you know, watched them play Cincinnati. They ran the ball all over them. And you know, since he did a decent job at some points, they were pretty good moving uh, Bryce Young off his spot and getting a little bit of pressure there. But when you get a team like Bama in third and seven, you have to get off the field. Here's the here's the stat, and I, I didn't even look. I looked at this earlier today, and in my mind, I was talking to someone like, I feel like Bama probably was about fifty percent on third downs, and Georgia was probably twenty five or thirty percent. And in that first game, it felt like Georgia was never able to get drives going. They're three of twelve on third down. Nick Saban great at situational football. Then you look at Georgia and what they did defensively against Bama, the number one defense in the country, just holding teams, you know, single digits every game. Alabama was seven of fourteen on third down. That math has to flip if Georgia wants to win because they've got to stay on the field. They have to be able to run the football and they have to make sure Stetson Bennett is playing with either a one-score deficit or with a lead because you look how good he was against Michigan, and I think that that's why that number came in where Georgia's favored again because you watched him throw the football really well. But here's the thing. They were winning. When they're down, it's a little bit different story, so they've got to find a way to start fast and keep that momentum. You know, the, the, the talk after that SEC championship game, it was a lot about Nick Saban over Kirby Smart, but it was also Bryce Young over Stetson Bennett, right? I mean, that, that was, I remember the, the comparison of the quotes where Nick Saban talked about Stetson Bennett and said, you know, he's a really heady player and he's solid. And then when Kirby Smart was asked about Bryce Young, he said, well, he's special. And that, that's the difference between the quarterback play of those two uh, t- uh, teams. Bobby, looking at the, the matchup, is this a game where Stetson Bennett ultimately has to win this game for Georgia? Or can Georgia do what Georgia did most of this year and sort of contain the pressure in the game for him in this one? Is that possible against this Bama team? I think Stetson Bennett possibly could win the game. He made some throws in that first game against Bama in the SEC championship, but I don't think you should want to try to push it onto him. That's not what he's great at. He's a heady guy. He does a great job managing the game. And we we call a game manager now as if it's like a four-letter word. Listen, he doesn't turn the football over, and he does a pretty good job moving the chains on third down. He has to do a better job against that. You looked at Bryce Young. Georgia would get him in an adverse situation. They'd get a little pressure. and He'd do a good job escaping, finding guys down the field. But the big thing we saw out of Bryce Young that we hadn't seen all year was he pulled the ball down and ran. And I, I knew he was athletic, but I did not know to the degree of which of an elite athlete he was. He was unbelievable. And we're talking about a game now for all the marbles. So this isn't one where you're going to see him sliding it out. And you know he's going to put his body at risk because it's for the national championship. And so they've got to find a way to move Bryce Young off his spot, get pressure on him, but then also not let him scramble. Because when he does, he is fast and he will gobble up yards and he'll turn a third and seven into a 15-yard gain. And then all of a sudden, you see some of those big bulldog defensive linemen. They're, they're tapping their heads. They're getting gas because now it's the sixth, the seventh, the eighth play in the drive. And so if you – Bama would love to make the game about Stetson Bennett versus Bryce Young. If you're Georgia, make it about everything else. Try to make sure you're keeping Bryce Young in the pocket, applying some pressure, filling up the rush lanes. And for Georgia, keep it close. Keep running the ball. Bryce Young, he, Bryce Young threw an interception against Cincinnati. They got some heat on him, and he threw an interception to start the half. It's I believe it's like 21-6. Like, there's a chance if Cincinnati goes down and scores, they make it a one-possession game. Like If they had maybe the offensive line Georgia did, they could pound the football down there and go do that. And so that's the game plan. You can't let him 
go out there and just beat you. You have to keep that thing controlled. And so if Bama can, if Georgia can do that, where they keep it close and keep everybody else involved. And listen, the other thing too, you're going to have to take some shots with George Pickens. Like you saw the one long completion he had in the first game. And then you really didn't see much from him after that. He's going to have to be a guy that has a couple big plays over the top play action to loosen up that Bama front. Bobby, what did you make of Kirk Herbstreit's comments? And then uh, there's nothing that offended me with the comments. I didn't think he should have apologized for what he said. But the idea that, you know, maybe some players don't love football as much as others in regards to opt-outs, it seems to be very much a generational thing uh, with this. What what were your thoughts when when you heard that with Herbstreit? So there's a couple of things with this and, you know, understanding you you don't want to be the old guy, like shaking your fist at this guy and Kirk Herbstreit, he loves college football. He's a college football purist. Listen, I, I love college football. I, it's my favorite sport. I enjoy the NFL, but there's so much more passion in college, you know, behind it. And as you guys know, you know I mean, the, there's a reason for that because you, you, you bring up, take on the identity of your state. People go to the school. You have a strong affiliation with it. So people have very strong feelings about it and what players should ultimately do. You know, it is generational players now realize more than ever, you know, that they're a brand, they're marketable, you know, how they're supposed to make money in life and how they can do that. I will say this. I played with a number of guys who played football because they were good at it. And you can say this about a lot of sports guys go down the road, they start playing and it becomes their identity. They're good. It gives them everything they have in life. And so, you know, they just keep doing it, but they don't love it. I do believe that most football players love to play, but here's the problem. We've put these guys in a situation now where they're going to play in what we consider, you know, a meaningless bowl game, whatever it is. It, it, it's not going to impact them at all. I think it could help the draft stock for some of these guys. If you're a you know, third rounder, fourth rounder, like opting out to me, that's crazy because you have the chance to still increase your earning power a lot now. But if you're a guy who's going to be drafted probably in the top 20, We've put them in a situation now where it's either, hey, play for your team and risk potentially, you know, and, and I understand there's loss of value and there's, you know, ins- injury insurance and all these things. But even with that, if you get a serious injury, like that may take care of some of that first contract, but it's not impact. It's not taking into account the impact you could have on your second deal or potentially, you know, the rest of your life. And so we put these guys in a situation where they've done this their entire life and it's either A, go play one more game or B, uh, sit out and make sure that you're securing your financial future. And, and it's a tough choice. It's a tough choice. Believe me, I love it. I, it. It bothers me that guys sit out. I understand it. I don't know how I could have probably done it. And you listen to guys like, um, you know, Jalen Smith, uh, Jake Butt, guys who have been seriously injured. I guarantee you, Matt Corral, like, I love the decision he made. You know what? It's not for everybody. And I guarantee you, Matt Corral doesn't want you to feel sorry for him either. He is owning his decision. You make the choice, and then what? regardless of the outcome, you go and do it. And that's the type of guy he is. Like, and I was never a huge Matt Corral for, fan, but he picked one up with me when he decided to play in that game. And the fact that he got hurt, I looked at him like, man, that stinks. I guarantee you he does not regret going out there and trying to play and win that game. And so, you know, I understand what Kirk said. I try to, I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, straddled between where the guys are at now and where Kirk is. And so I get it. I love the game. I want to see everybody play, but I'm not going to sit there and tell somebody what's best for them because I wouldn't want somebody doing that for me and that just be disingenuous. 
I'm wondering, uh, we, we were talking earlier about the fishy, officiating issue, and uh, everybody knows how bad officiating is generally, but nobody knows how to fix it. And I'm not so sure that college football doesn't mind a nice officiating controversy here and there. Um, if, I, if I made you czar of uh, officiating in college football, what would be your first sweeping move? I know what you guys are talking about because I sat there and watched some of the shows leading after the Purdue Tennessee games. <laughs> for all, for all, just for being the record, I was in uh, was in a bar down in uh, Grayton Beach. There are a lot of Tennessee fans in that <laughs> bar, and when they blew they when they blew that thing dead, like, you got to review it. And I'm like, dude, the guy came in on the side waving his arms over his head. He wasn't calling him down. He was stopping the play, and it's not reviewable, and it it stinks. And I'm like laughing, and it sucks. Like. You know, Tennessee doesn't get a chance to win. Purdue wins the game. And like, you feel you're happy about winning it. You feel a little hollow. I think this goes like with the NFL. This is with college football. You look at the amount of money, especially with the two conferences, the Big Ten and the SEC, and what their TV deals look like and the revenue that's generated. And then also for these bowl games, you're telling me that we can't get guys that are full time officials paying these guys well. And so that there's a high degree of accountability, they're still going to make mistakes. But right now, a lot of these college refs, you know, they're roughing, you know, sometimes, you know, a high school game before. And I mean, this is guys like in bigger conferences, you know, and they're traveling around, they got other jobs, they're doing other stuff. Put these guys and say, hey, we're going to pay you whatever it is, 150 at the beginning. You're a head ref at the end. You're making 300 grand a year. You're living a pretty good life. Hey, and you're accountable to this. You're responsible for this. And you've done it for a while. They're not going to want to lose their jobs. And right now, I believe they're doing the best they can. I don't think there's any like malfeasance. I guarantee you the side judge in that game after he watched it was like, oh man, like I probably should have let it go for another second. And so make those guys full-time employees, give them everything they need, make it worth their while. I mean, heck guys, we're ma- they're making so much money. It blows my mind how they haven't been able to do this yet. And so for the bigger conferences, that's what I'm doing right away. Yeah. And it just, it would cut into the check they give to each member school and that that's fine. They're getting big checks already. Take some of that money out, hire full-time officials. I'm with you. It makes a lot of sense. There are two big stories, Bobby, uh, that both center around Eastern Michigan. uh, Shockingly enough, I want to ask you about both of these. One is Ben Bryant, a quarterback who started at Cincinnati, goes to Eastern Michigan because he's not starting at Cincinnati, becomes the starter at Eastern Michigan graduates from Eastern Michigan and is now transferring back to Cincinnati to possibly be the starter. This sets up the possibility of almost, uh, you know, you could have a minor league system, system, like a finishing school. If you're not starting somewhere, but you like the program, go somewhere else, start for a couple of years. You could always come back when you graduate. It's a premier a league. Transfer. It's a premier what, league loan. Yeah, what, do you, yeah. what do you think about this, uh, this story with Ben Bryant going back to Cincinnati? Yeah, that's, that's amazing. When you hear that, and it's not surprising. He went to Cincinnati for a reason. He left Cincinnati for a reason. Reason he went there, liked the program, liked the coaches, thought I was headed in the right direction. Reason he leaves, it's behind Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter is probably going to be drafted first, second round, maybe high third, but somewhere pretty high. And the guy started a ton of games and led his team to the college football playoff. And so the job opens up now. I'm going to go back down there and hopefully win it. He knows the system, knows the coaches, knows the school. You feel pretty good about it. Now, Cincinnati, they've got a guy on their roster right now, and his name is escaping me. He was Mr. Football in the state of Ohio, so it's not like it's a for sure thing. But if he wants to go back down there and try to finish what he started with his teammates, 
I guess it's good. Does it kind of feel like it's a little minor league-ish system? Like you get guys at Bama that don't like it. After their freshman year, they go to UAB for a year or two and then come back and play again as like a, a senior. I mean, that's kind of what it is. I mean, I'm not, I'm for player mobility. I'm for players' ability to play. They want to get on the field. That's the best way to get better. It feels weird, but this is the system that we've kind of built. But here, here is the one thing. You can only transfer one time without sitting out. Yeah. And so if you transfer the other thing, like you mentioned, he's a grad transfer yeah, now. He's graduated. So he, That's right. It's a difference. Yeah, he finished he finished his school and got his degree and now he wants to roll the dice. You gotta finish your degree or he wouldn't be able to do it. So I do think that that is a little bit different, and we are at least incentivizing some of the right things for guys to stick in where they're at for at least a while. While we're on Cincinnati, did 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 that game go about what you or, or how you expected against Alabama? It did. I mean, I thought Cincinnati played pretty tough. You could argue they played them tougher than you know Georgia at points, like as far as with what they were able to do defensively. I thought they they did a pretty good job. They let since they let Bama run the football. They didn't have Mechie, and so Nick played it conservatively and I think didn't want to you know, risk Bryce Young. And they've got good corners. He threw the ball inside. Like Saban's smart, man. They threw the ball inside. They attacked you know, weaker portions of the defense. But since they had two shots to get into it, you know, one, if they would have found a way to recover the muffed punt and get a super short field and get a score there. And then the second time, I believe they were down maybe 21-6 in the second half, and Bryce Young throws that interception about midfield. You know, Cincinnati, if they can go down and get a touchdown, they'd be able to score. I mean, ultimately, I think it was lost. You know, since his offensive line wasn't good enough to protect Ritter, open up enough rush lanes or running lanes. And I think that ultimately cost them. But everywhere else, I thought that they held up pretty well. So Eastern Michigan story number two. I'm all over Ypsilanti today. <laughs> Charlie Batch, Eastern Michigan alum, uh, is now a part of an investment group. He goes on Twitter and offers a million dollars to Caleb Williams to go to Eastern Michigan. He says, I have an NIL deal with his investment group, a million dollars to come to Eastern Michigan and be the quarterback for Caleb Williams, who's transferring, who's in the portal right now from Oklahoma. Don't know yet that he's officially transferring anywhere. Um, I don't think that's legal because there's something against the, it's not a pay for play. You can't go out and recruiting and promise something, but you could be told, hey, you're going to get this when you get here. Uh, but hey, bold move by Charlie Batch uh, trying to put Eastern Michigan on the map. Okay, so that's his alumni. It's where he, you know, is obviously an alum. You're trying to bring in a guy. He's got this investment group. I mean, I could say it's illegal. I mean, Texas basically promises fifty grand to every offensive lineman that goes there. So I, okay. I mean, I, I would say that it's probably in the same vein as that. Yeah, Texas A and M has figured out uh, the system really well. Too. I mean, I'm not saying they're doing anything illegal or cheating. It's it's all with yeah. NIL, but. They figured it out better than anyone else right now with, with guys oh, they brought in. Absolutely. I mean, it's only a matter of time. Uh, Rick Neuheisel brought this up to me. We're like, hey, all of a sudden, you know, what's not to stop? You know, they have, they have uh, taxes to build stadiums. Why not have an NIL tax? We have like a half percent tax on, you know, alcohol or cigarettes or, you know, bed tax or whatever. That goes into some sort of fund for the state. That money is then distributed to players in some form to, you know, sponsorship, whatever it is. And then that can be part of the kitty. Like th this thing will get really creative unless they start to put some boundaries around it. And they're going to have to here before too long. But, you know, number one, you know, Caleb Williams gets in the portal. The reason he hasn't left yet, guys, the silent auction hasn't closed. Like, there's still time. Like, you can get your bids in if you want to get Caleb Williams and get him to come to your school. Uh, so, you know, there's that. Like, what Charlie Batch did, I think it's good. I think it's 
I mean, it, it begs the question, like, would it be better to take a half million dollars and potentially go to Georgia or take a million and go to Eastern Michigan? Could you still be drafted as high? Would you still have the same opportunity to produce and get developed and be ready for the NFL? Like those are the decisions guys may have to make about going to a lesser school where you're getting paid more, but are you ultimately, and not to diminish what a million dollars is, but are you stepping over dollars to pick up pennies and start looking at guys getting drafted in the top 10, you got your first round draft contract, you get your extension on the end of it. I mean, that's, that's a heck of a lot more than a million bucks. So could you be risking, you know, falling a couple rounds or getting developed or whatever it might be. But let me also pose you guys a, a second scenario. You know, you guys being in the media, you understand like everything that's leaked out is leaked out for a reason. And agents are always working, you know, coaches are working, people are horse trading information all the time with members of the media. I mean, imagine this, and I'm not saying this has occurred. It's just a theory that I you know, threw out there because we see this happen a lot of time with coaching salaries and other things where stuff kind of gets out there in the ether for a reason. Imagine that Caleb Williams has talked to Charlie Batch and maybe he's going to sign him as a financial advisor, invest money with him when he's done. And in doing that, they've kind of set up this tentative agreement. And, and with that saying, hey, why don't you throw out that you offer me a million dollars? that I'll go to Eastern Michigan. What that's going to do now is set the market for me. So if anybody else wow. thinks that they want me to go there, that's the table stakes to get in the game. And so if Georgia wants me or whoever other school, wherever else I could potentially go, hey guys, Eastern Michigan threw this out. I'm not asking for it. Someone else offered this already. So this is what we have to come to the table with. And honestly, I'm a little, I, I don't necessarily think that's what happened, but it wouldn't shock me if that's the case. Very clever. Business play, yeah, yeah that's that's that, that's a good idea by you. I that that's definitely possible. Bobby Carpenter, absolutely. You Ro- can, Robert, uh, Robert yeah, Carpenter the third. Yeah, that's Robert a Robert Carpenter. idea. Yeah, Robert Carpenter came up with that. That's right. Uh, Bobby, we always appreciate it, man. We love the the work that you do at the site, and of course with the YouTube channel. Um, and uh, let's let's chat next week. Maybe, who knows? Maybe we chat on Monday to to really dive deep on the matchup that we're going to watch. Oh, that'd be great, fellas. I'm uh, I'm always here for you. Thanks. All right. Bobby Carpenter has been our guest. Thanks, Bobby. He's excellent. Carp 3 is where you can find him on Twitter. You take 500 to go to Georgia or a million to go to, where was it? Eastern, Eastern Michigan? Yeah. I would take 500. He's going to make, the 500,000 is not going to be much for him if he's as good as he thinks and we think in the NFL. So I would yeah. take the 500,000 and go to, uh, I'd take 50,000 to go to a Georgia or a place where uh, you can play doing, for a national title. Shh. Say something but, you like know, that I, out loud near a microphone. I also value winning. <laughs> I value a chance to compete at the highest level. I just gave away four hundred fifty thousand dollars. Well, now, nowadays, Chad, you and you want to be my salesman? Yeah, get paid and win. I don't know how he doesn't end up at Georgia or Clemson. Like both of those programs would dive deep into the pockets. I don't know why you would go to Georgia when they refuse to Play start five star talent. <laughs> Would look at well, the look at their track record with Justin Fields, Jake Fromm over him, Stetson Bennett over JT Daniels. If I'm a top talent quarterback guy, I, I I'm not really considering Georgia the way that with their track record under Kirby Smart. Could give you not to say you're not going to win, know. you know you're, you're going to do win. well, but I mean, give me Clemson if, I, if that's the if, choice. If Clemson's starting job is open, that's the place to go. Well, we know the current situation wasn't great. I'm this guy's legit. Like I, I, I would love to know the type of offers this guy's receiving. That'd be a great like uh, 
if somebody's with them now and could tell the story later. Yeah. <laughs> even even covering up the names, redacting. Speaking of names, they they released a couple of the names for the USFL head coaches. We've oh, got that. I got a memory of one. We've got that next on Outkick 360. The USFL has announced a handful of their coaches, still four more teams to be determined on who will be leading those organizations, those rosters. Uh, three of the four that they've announced today are recognizable names. Mike Riley is uh, the head coach of the New Jersey Generals. Todd Haley is with the Tampa Bay Bandits. Kevin Sumlin has emerged. He is going to coach the Houston Gamblers. And, Paul, you have a story about the fourth. Bart Andrus is going to be coach of the Philadelphia Stars. Nice guy. Was Titans quarterback coach when they went to Super Bowl thirty four after the 1999 season. So there was a sequence, 8.33 left in the fourth quarter. Steve McNair threw to Isaac Bird for a 21-yard a first down. Everything was going smooth, and the Titans took a timeout right then. The next play, after the timeout, McNair threw 21 yards to Jackie Harris up the left side, and then uh, Eddie George ran twice for a touchdown. There was no real reason for that timeout right there. And boy, could the Titans have used the timeout at the end of that game, which ended a yard short of Kevin Dyson reaching into the end zone for a game-tying touchdown. What happened was communication at that stage went, uh, if your coordinator was in the booth, Les Steckel was in the booth, from Les Steckel to Bart Andrus on the sideline to Steve McNair. Les Steckel gave it to Bart Andrus, and Bart Andrus mistranslated it to Steve McNair. Something got botched there on the pass to Jackie Harris, and they had to call a timeout. And so they didn't have a – they had two timeouts. They had one timeout that they used on the drive to go tie the game, but they didn't have a second timeout that could have constructed the end-of-game sequence there differently – and giving the Titans one more another, play, another play to get into the end zone for overtime against the St. Louis Rams. Wow. Now, wow. I don't mean to do a disservice to Bart Andrus by making that That's a, just ca- a yeah. career-defining thing, but every time I hear Bart Andrus's name, I think of him being the relay guy there that cost him a timeout in a game where a timeout was a huge premium. Uh, so we're expecting the clown show for the Jacksonville I game. I love this. And there is a sponsor – a Jaguar sponsor who wants their name removed from Sunday's game because fans plan to dress as clowns and protest the ongoing presence uh, is how it's it's phrased from Florio of Trent Baalke, their general manager. So roof claim is is the is the sponsor that says they want their roofing business to have nothing to do with this. So they're embarrassed by the clown thing, or they're embarrassed by the whole thing, or they're embarrassed by the Balky part. Well, the comp- so what they've done, they've they've I, agreed. I don't think they want to be a part of the clown show. No, what they deal. they're 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 a sponsor who agreed to pay six hundred thousand dollars to be, um, and and this is like a, a a per year deal to be spotlighted for a single game. And oh, this is their game. This is their game. So they're like, look. <laughs> We're not. We're not going to be a part of this one game we drew, for six hundred grand a year. Like, yeah, we're out. Peace. Well, that that's good. 
the clown show thing affects the bottom line, which should get yeah. Shad Khan's attention. Just cost me over half a million, half a uh, million dollars. The clown show. Trent Balky's costing me money. And didn't Joe Judge also say we're not some clown yeah. show organization? <laughs> May have two clowns. Giants should have picked up on that. And, and they're not only like saying remove us; they're suing to have their presence removed from the game to get their money. Craziness in Jacksonville. Mission starting to be accomplished. And somehow they, somehow they beat the Colts <laughs> every year since 2015. That's got to end. Yeah, Outkick 360 rolls on.